emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Veris Age Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're thrilled we have John Tobin, who is the founder of the Council for Creators Law Firm, which is a subscription-based model. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Good, Ron. How are you doing this week? Very good. Really looking forward to this show. So let's uh, let's dive right in. This is a continuing theme of ours, this whole subscription thing. <laughs> yeah, tell uh, me about it. So John Tobin is a graduate of the UCLA Law School where he studied intellectual property, business law, and international law under the nation's top-ranked practitioners. Before studying law, he worked for years as a designer and software developer, so he knows what it means to work in the creative industries. He deals with matters involving copyrights, trademarks, software, design, licensing, business art, art, law, and contracts. So right up our alley. John Tobin, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Oh, great. it's, It's wonderful to have you. So Tell us a little bit about your history. You moved from a career in technology to law, and then you saw how to combine those two. So give us a little bit of your background. Sure. So I started um, working actually pretty young. I was working as a software designer, a software developer, um, worked for a lot of startups, some established companies, and I did that for a long time. Um, and I wanted to try something new. So I decided law school would be the thing. Um, I think part of that was because in being a member of these companies or working for these companies, I started to see how uh, law formed the basis for their success or their failure. So I was really curious about that. It was either law school or business school and law school won out. So during law school, my sort of overriding, um, I guess, preoccupation was how can I take what I learned from working in technology and design and combine that with law? And so that's really what I'm trying to do in my legal career right now. Did you ever go into like a major law firm or a larger law firm to once you graduated or did you just come out and start your own firm? I started my own firm on the day that I got my uh, license to practice law. So um, as soon as I was able to practice, I made my website live. I think I bought the domain a little bit before and then um, started taking clients. So that was kind of a um, crazy leap in some regards, but that's how I did it. No, no, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, you wrote a great article and we'll link to it. Uh, at, uh, I think it was published in an attorney at work where you talked a little bit about your firm. And one of the things you said in there was when you started practicing, you, you tried many things, you know, like yeah. we all do when we launch a professional firm, you did seminars and consultations and all that, but you landed on the, the subscription plans um, and created the, the creator's legal program. Where did you learn about the subscription model? I think it sort of um, 
it was almost like a natural outgrowth. I mean, I'd been seeing, you know, as everybody else has, um, the subscription model applied to a lot of different things, you know, everything from the basics like Netflix to razors to everything else. And I realized, okay, I think people would value having a relationship with an attorney. And so let's see if that's possible to apply to the practice of law. And so that's really the genesis, I think, just because it was in the air and because it was out there. Um, I wanted to see if that was something that could be uh, brought into legal. Right. We're finding that too, because so many, when we ask audiences, you know, how many things do you subscribe to? Gee, if you really sit down and count them, it's Netflix and Prime. And, you know, there's usually 10 or 12 things uh, that we have running subscriptions on. But you said an interesting word, which is the relationship. And I think this model puts the relationship at, at the heart of the business, doesn't it? It does. And that's really, if I, um, you know, the joy that I get out of doing this is being able to make someone enjoy being a member so much that they continue to be a member. So for me, that's the goal, you know, that someone continues. And to do that, it's really to get to know somebody, um, understand their business, watch it grow, check in with them. And, and, and really, instead of having it be a transaction where, you know, which we still do, um, it's more of, a, okay, what are you trying to do and how can we support that going forward instead of just trying to, um, you know, sell a single transaction and then ending the relationship there. Right. And we, we, we know, um, <laughs> before Warren, we'll, we'll talk about your pricing because we also do a lot of pricing consulting. But even before we get into your pricing, w- one of the questions I know you must get from your colleague uh, colleagues is, well, how do you make money at this? What if people keep calling you? What if they camp out in your audience, in your office? How do you answer those objections? Yeah. So I think, you know, and this is something I, this is really, I think the main question I get when I tell people what I'm doing. Um, so first of all, um, I've automated all of the administrative things. So if somebody signs up and becomes a member of my program, nobody at my office has to do anything. It's all automated. Um, if somebody wants to make a phone call with us, it's automated. And so we have systems and processes in place where we spend zero time on any of the administrative stuff, literally no time at all. So that really you know, allows us to focus on providing legal advice and not scheduling phone calls, not um, getting people's credit card information or anything like that. You know, there's no um, sort of friction to that process. So that's number one. Um, number two, I think... Um, and it's funny because right before this, I was actually meeting with a colleague and we were talking about this, uh, this exact problem of people, you know, lawyers think someone will just repeatedly call, right? So they're, you know, they're going to join and they're going to start calling and spend hours on the phone with us every month. Um, I found that's not true. I'm not that important. People have a lot of things going on. Um, I'm just a small part of their world. And so I actually really think it's kind of this weird thing where, um, you know, once you realize that a business owner doesn't have time for that, it kind of frees things up. And sometimes there are times when people actually need us more. And it's really nice that when those times arise, we can be there. And I can talk with a client for two hours a month or more if need be, because we sort of have evened out the, you know, the pricing. So it's, I don't think I've ever had the problem where somebody is calling too much. Right. It's almost the opposite, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's the challenge. it, it, once they once they know they can, they don't. <laughs> they don't, and I think a lot of people they they just value knowing that they can, that it's available. I mean, it's sort of um, you know I hesitate to use the word because that's not what we are, but it's like insurance. 
You know, I yeah. can drive with a certain peace of mind that hopefully I never get into an accident. But if I do, um, there's ideally an insurance company to support me. Right. We talk about the, uh, the parallels to insurance all the time because it's funny. We, we all pay, you know, quite a big pot of money to insurance companies and we're thrilled when we don't use them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. interesting psychology. <laughs> yeah. But I think with what we do, there's, you know, the ideal is to find that sweet spot in the utilization rate because what we have noticed if, you know, this makes sense. If somebody doesn't need us or we don't do anything for them, they'll quit. That's not good. Um, so we want to, you know, we want to find the median where someone's not doing it too much, but then also where we can provide enough value for them to continue. Right. You, you want them to engage I do. because you're trying to develop that relationship. Yep. Uh, you also did something pretty interesting. You set a, a $95 per month level and that's quite a constraint. And your logic was something, if I remember from the article that you thought, well, we could do more than that, but then we're, we get into the traditional law firm model almost. That $95 was really a constraint, wasn't it? That forced you to do some pretty innovative things. Yeah, I think that's what sort of brought it to, okay, even before launching, um, I think I spent two months straight, like really thinking out the system, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, um, how am I going to make it so that we don't have to spend a bunch of time on administrative overhead, which would basically kill the pricing if we did that. So I had to really think it through. And I think just having that constraint helped to make me be more creative in this approach. Right. And, and I know since your technology background, that all of that automation, were those tools that you developed or were you able to buy products that were already out there? I, maybe Ed will talk to you more about this because he's on the tech side. But yeah. I'm just kind of curious if you, if you did some of your own developing for certain apps or whatever that you use. A little bit of custom developing, but then a lot of it, um, I basically connect a lot of different applications via Zapier, you know, using or webhooks or something like that, where I can, um, you know, have all these systems communicate. So if someone becomes a member, that kicks off a whole series of things. If someone ends being a member, that kicks off a whole series of things. And so um, what's nice about working with technology today is a lot, there are a lot of platforms that will do functions and you can string them together to build something like this. Right. And, and I love it because you say you work in the creative with creative people and the creative industries, writers and fashion designers. Talk a little bit about that niche and how, how do you, how do you market to them? How do you, because it, it, it seems like a great niche to me because it seems to be growing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the thing is, is in, you know, without going too deep into this, I pick the niche because that's what I'm familiar with. That's, you know, having been in that world, a lot of my friends are in that world. A lot of people I know are in that world. I live in Los Angeles, so that's a big thing here. Um, I think that's the number one marketing thing. So, you know, if someone can talk to a bunch of attorneys, but if the attorney is working for a lot of different kind of industries, whether it's banking or this or that, maybe they have a ton of experience that I don't have. Um, really, someone wants a lawyer who gets what their business is. So if somebody tells me about the, you know, the thing they're doing with YouTube or, you know, with some sort of music project, um, we get it. Everybody here gets what they're trying to do and they don't have to explain themselves. So I think that's become a really good marketing thing for us, you know, or more sales that we, you know, we get what's going on. Sure. It's certainly a little bit easier to do subscription. I think if you're niched, isn't it rather than being a general practitioner? Yeah, that's the thing. And I think, you know, making this work has really been a, a lot about, 
deciding what we're not going to offer. So if somebody comes to us with, you know, landlord tenant issue, maybe I can give them a basic general piece of advice, but I'll also say, but you should also talk with my friend or my colleague who is a landlord tenant attorney. They can help you out. Here's their number. Right, right. Strategy is all about what we don't do. Well, John, this yeah. is great. And uh, unfortunately, we're up against our first commercial break. This will be the fastest hour of your life, by the way. Uh, and folks, we'd like to remind you, check out the soul of enterprise.com. We'll post full show notes with our interview with John and the article that he wrote where you can find that and go out to Patreon and uh, check out Check it out at patreon.com slash TSOE to look at our bonus content. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And today on The Soul of Enterprise, we have John Tobin, who is with Council for Creators, and his website is councilforcreators.com. And John, I want to ask you a little bit more about your your customer intake process. Are, are you still experiencing when people find you that they they have a, a a matter, they have a problem, or are you also getting people that hey, I just need to have access to a lawyer. I'm not sure what I'm going to need yet. Is there or is it still an event that's triggering people to find you? It's a little bit of both. I'm not really sure. Um what the divide is exactly, but you know, two scenarios we have are exactly what you described. So number one, somebody comes to us and they say, I got a letter from another lawyer. I don't know what to do. You know, so it could be a cease and desist or something. And we'll say, great. Um, an easy way we can talk about it is if you join our subscription program, uh, we can have a conversation about it and suggest what you might do next. And the other thing would be, um, I've started a business. It's going well, it's growing. 
I never paid any attention to legal, but now I want to. I don't know what to do. So we say, great, join our subscription program and we'll help you develop a strategy or some steps you can take going forward. And, and notice that you have four services listed on your site and service number four is that creator's legal program that you mentioned. Are the, the other three that you have listed are business setup, trademark registration, and contract creation. If you join the subscription program, are the other three included or are those still separate events? Those are separate. So those are separate flat fee uh, offerings. So what will typically happen, what happens a lot of times is, you know, either somebody comes to us and they say, hey, we want to form a company. So they'll just do a business setup and we do a flat fee. Um, a lot of times, though, what actually does happen is somebody comes to us, they don't know what they need. So we say, well, let's figure it out. Join the subscription program so that we can advise you. And then we might say, you know, within the next six months, maybe set up a, you know, set up a corporation. Here's what we charge. Or think about your trademark registration. Here's what we charge. And when you're ready for that, let us know. Have, have people come to you, and, and I'm sure this is a question that you get fairly often as well. They come to you with, with the, the event, so to speak. Join your subscription program, get what they need, and then just leave. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's sort of designed for that. I mean, it's designed where that's not terrible. I mean, I think if everybody did that, um, we'd have to rethink the way we're approaching it. But um, yeah, a lot of people, they just want a contract reviewed or they want um, a quick phone call. And so, you know, if you kind of look at how this works, we'll do like a 15 minute phone call with them and maybe we answer their question. And if they quit, that's actually okay. Because you, yeah, you've built the model around that being a, a, a paid for event in and of itself. Yeah. And it used to be when I first started, I think one of the things I mentioned in the article was I used to do these one-off consultations where, again, using a similar system, somebody could sign up online, pay online, and then talk to me. Um, that sort of just became part of the subscription and people can use it that way where um, if they do want a one-off consultation, they can get it easily by being a member for a month. I see. So interesting. So the, you, your, your consultation, a lot of lawyers go the opposite, which is we'll give you our quote one hour consultation for free, hoping that then they get the, the work after that. But you put the, the barrier up and say, no, if you want to talk to me, it's going to, you got to, you got to join the program and it's 95 bucks for the first month. Yeah. I mean, I figure I sell legal advice, so I should charge for it. <laughs> right up out of the gate. No, I like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because they, a lot of folks have gone the other way on that. Um, one of the things that, that when Ron and I talk with uh, other folks in, in especially the medical profession who have gone this way, we had a, a doctor on three or four weeks ago, Paul Thomas, who practices in South Detroit. And he, like you, kind of went right into what they call direct primary care out of his residency. But one thing that he said to me really stuck with me, and that is, that he need that the the, gen, the normal general practitioner needs a patient log of about 2,400 patients a year in order to sustain the model, and he's doing his model with 500. Uh, it would basically, if you this the part on the math, it's 20% of the number of, of customers effectively that he needs. Have you found the numbers similar that you don't need as large a customer base or with your $95 model, are you looking for more people that you have as part of your program? Well, one of the goals is always to grow. Um, now, one of the difficulties that I might have in answering this question is I don't really have a great basis for comparison. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of hard for me to know, you know, if I was running everything traditionally, so to speak, you know, hourly billing or what have you, 
um, how that would compare in terms of how many clients I need to retain to make it all work. Sure. Uh, are you comfortable at the level that you're on? I noticed that you do, you do have a, a partner. Is, is it just the two of you? Do you have plans to expand beyond two attorneys? Yes, myself and my partner, um, we, ha- we actually do have an associate. He's not up, not up on the site yet. Um, we have law clerks and then we have uh, various virtual assistants. So, um, yeah, so it's, it, I'd like to grow it. You know, it's one of those things where we sort of have been in the phase of making sure that the model works before moving into rapid expansion. But do you, you do plan to say with, with Council for Creators, though, that's, that, that's what you're decided upon uh, niches? Yes, yes. So that's the niche that we would stay in um, just because that's what we know. Um, that's, you know, where all of our clients come from and people have come to know us for that kind of expertise. And then the idea would potentially build additional services around, around those that are needed for creative people. Yeah, we've talked about that before. I mean, right now we have a very, um, and on purpose, a very limited set of things that we do. But we've talked about things like, well, what if we added estate planning services for artists? Is that something that's possible? So there's always possibility. Um, and you know, it's just one of those things we always have to decide um, what we want to add and what we don't. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you might have somebody who calls you up or is on your subscription program who has a, a real estate issue. And clearly that's not something that, that you is in your bailiwick and you re- refer it out. It, I don't even know if this is even legal in illegal uh, or ethical, but do, doctors certainly also often get referral fees. Is that something that you either have done or look, in, look to do? Yeah, where it's appropriate um, and it makes sense, we would look for a referral fee. But that said, a lot of referrals that we send, you know, it's really just goodwill, to be quite frank. To the, for the other attorneys and to the and yeah. to your, for your, your, your customer as well. Yeah, the customer benefits, um, the other attorney benefits. And, and, you know, I think we tend to even refer to those who, you know, they think of us when they have a client. And it's, we've had some really good uh, ongoing mutual relationships with other attorneys. Are you trying to develop relationships with other attorneys who practice in this way? Or let's put it this way. Have you run into other folks or convinced other folks to practice this way? Yeah, there's a number of attorneys who I've met who have, um, you know, to varying degrees implemented this kind of practice. Um, I think it'd be interesting in the future if there were attorneys who were outside of our practice area who had subscriptions where we could do some sort of exchange of members or whatever it is. But I don't think the market's mature enough yet for that. But, you know, I think as time goes on, we'll see more attorneys um, trying this practice and being successful with it. And Ron mentioned that one of the things that he and I talk often about is, and what we've been been known for, the genesis of this show is around pricing. Have you given any thought to to including different levels of your subscription? Right now you have the $195 level, but say one that's, I'm just making up a number, $195 that would include contract creation and trademark registration that that would that way if people came to you with those things they wouldn't be separate events they're just parted as part of the su- subscription yeah we've thought about that and we've actually done a few different tests um it's it's difficult i think it's one of those things where you know once we've gotten the 95 dollar a month uh, product to where we need it to be then we probably need to bring in more expertise to be quite frank because i think as far as what i know um I wouldn't know how to put together a package for, let's say, you know, $300 a month or even more. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely something that we're open to. 
it's just not where our focus is yet, but I do think it's a great idea. Yeah, so, you, it's, it, you're, so your innovation will be around that, and that would allow you to innovate for, for growth. Yeah, innovate for growth. And then, yeah, if it's possible that maybe there's things we can add, you know, that, um, you know, would merit us charging more, that would be great. And let me ask you, what were some of the, maybe the unintended benefits that you found in, in practicing this way? I mean, certainly you had some idea about what you wanted to get accomplished, but was there anything that, that after you started down this path and started getting customers to come on board that said, that you said, huh, that's not what I was expecting, but that's pretty cool too. Um, I think, you know, having good relationships with people, I, you know, the fact that when I speak with a client, I mean, everybody I've spoken with this morning uh, when I did my calls, um, they're people I've worked with for months or years. And it's, so it's really nice to just get right in there and you know, talk about what's going on, um, not have any pressure from the clock. You know, so if we want to talk just about a TV show or something, we can. Nobody's, you know, nobody's paying extra for that. So it lets us be more human, really. Yeah, it's funny. That's that's also what uh, Dr. Paul Thomas said. Is that and believe they, they they don't even this facility of his doesn't even have a waiting room because nobody waits. There's no reason yeah. to have it. <laughs> yeah. So, how long have you been around for? I I, I might have missed that in the opening comments with Ron. But did what, what, when did you start your firm? So I started the firm in March of 2013. So coming up to seven years. Um, we turned it into a partnership in 2016. That's when I brought my partner on. So that's, yeah, so it's, it's not the oldest firm, but it's also been around for a little bit. And when, when would you say that the subscription model was more than 50 plus percent of your business? Um, I would say that, I mean, it's, it took a few years. We started in 2015. I think it took probably two or three years before we saw real growth and real traction where it was a significant part of the revenue. And I think that's actually something um, I've had a number of attorneys who have approached me wanting to know more about how to do a subscription. And one thing I do say is you won't make money until you reach a critical mass. In fact, you might even lose money because it might cannibalize from your other hourly billing or whatever. So that's just something that you know, kind of a roundabout answer to say that it took a while, it took a while, it took a few years before it really um, got going. Yeah, that, that actually a, a term for that in, in Teen So's book, he calls it swallowing the fish. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> but uh, hey, this has been great, John, really appreciate you getting on with us today. But right now we're against our next break. And we want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to ask TSOE at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see previews to upcoming shows, as well as the show notes to past shows and our, our archive page of all 270 plus episodes that we've done previously. But right now, a word from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. 
Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here with legal pioneer John Tobin, who started Counsel for Creators, a subscription-based law firm. Something, John, we hear all the time, can't be done, can't be done in the legal space, and here you are doing it. (laughs) One of the things that you talked about in your article, which I thought was kind of interesting, because I think this is a big part of the model, too. Ed had mentioned, you know, pricers have this saying, innovate for growth, price for profit. And you talked about how you've added additional covered services over time to the subscription, like live Q&A, free trademark searches, and some things you've taken away. Talk about that process. How do you go about experimenting with offering new services or pulling things away? Yeah, so I mean, usually what will happen is, um, you know, like I've said earlier in this conversation, one of the things that is the bigger challenge than somebody using the service too much is people not getting enough out of it, you know, or us feeling like we need to give them more. So in response to that impulse, we'll do things like, okay, well, maybe what we can do is um, add a free trademark search, for instance. And so that's something that we offered for a while. Um, You know, if anyone got in during that time when we were offering it, they probably still have it. We'll still honor it but we don't sort of use that as a uh, enticement anymore. And so, you know, what we find is, is there are certain things where maybe it takes too long to fulfill or, um, you know, we've had situations where people overuse something or they're not really clear. Like what, I think one time we had someone who just wanted like unlimited free trademark searches and, you know, even though it doesn't say that they seem to feel that way. And so, we just wanted to focus on what's the core. You know, I think what I was finding is just adding features isn't good enough. I think it's really about having a purpose. What's the purpose of this program? What are we really trying to do? Um, So it it involves experimentation, seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. Right. Because it's all about enhancing that relationship, isn't it? And if it's not doing anything for the relationship, then it's probably not worth offering. Yeah, and it might be something that not everybody needs, um, it, it, you know, or it just sort of, um, you know, it's it's not really a big draw for people, or it's you know too hard to fulfill within that model. Right, and if one of your customers does come to you with something that's not covered by the subscription, how do you deal with that? I mean, I know you said that you have flat prices for business develop, you know, incorporation or whatever entity choice. Um, what about all the other things though, that lawyers could do? How do you deal with pricing those? 
Yeah, so it's really, you know, we, we sort of start with, uh, you know, what we typically charge. And then, you know, it's sometimes, you know, for longtime customers, just as a courtesy, we'll give a discount. Um, there are things where, again, just sort of an, on an ad hoc basis, um, if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, I need this, you know, short contract or whatever, um, we'll do it and say, and they'll say, well, how much do I owe you? And we'll say nothing. We, we appreciate you having been a subscriber for two years. You know, you're great, and this is, this is for you. So, Beautiful. Um, it's, it's, again, it's, I think it's coming back to the relationship. And, and I look at each relationship as, you know, is this something the person will appreciate? Is this something that will um, make them want to stick with us for longer? And, but sometimes, you know, if there is extensive work to be done, you know, we, we're going to say, you know, we think it's going to, you know, be pretty extensive. And here is what we'd like you to pay in order to do that. And people are usually fine because they already know us. They already trust us. And people are usually fine to pay that extra. Right. So let me ask you, what about litigation? No chance. <laughs> Not a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things where um, a lot of lawyers, what they don't get because maybe they're in a litigation mindset. And so you know, they're thinking, well, how am I going to do litigation for 95 bucks a month? And the answer is you're not. It's not possible. Um, so what we do with litigation is we refer that. So I refer that as quickly as possible to somebody who knows litigation. And the way I sort of, you know, explain that to clients, I'm like, look at us as if we're your general practitioner. Now, if you need heart surgery, I'm not going to dabble. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to give you any advice on it. I'm going to say, here's a heart surgeon. Go to them. Right, right. No, that makes complete sense. But let me ask you, if you just thought about it creatively, could you see a way for litigators, and that would include family lawyers, to to do this? I think if it was litigation that's bounded, um, you know, I think that would be great. I know that, for instance, you have Hello Divorce, which deals with family law matters. Now, I don't know how far into litigation that all goes, but I know that there are certain court proceedings that if I think the proceeding is bounded and has certain parameters, like it's not hotly contested or whatever, I think it's possible. You know, I think if somebody needed guidance on um, maybe a probate issue, I can maybe see that as being something where it's like, well, fill out this form for this property. If you're, you know, adding another person, I don't really know how probate works, but you know, you might have a situation like that where if, if we know that probate takes a year or whatever it is, then someone would subscribe and pay a few hundred dollars a month to get legal support and going through that process. So I can imagine it being applied, but I think, you know, a lot of litigation to me seems so open-ended that I would be at a loss as to how to price that. Right, right. Even though most of them do settle, right? (laughs) Unless you're an appeals attorney or something, you're going to probably settle on the steps before you even get into the court. Yeah. Uh, You also said something that I just, I I think is so great about this model that when that person comes to you for the non-covered service, a contract or whatever, and you decide, oh, we're just going to do it because we appreciate your business. What I love about this is it prices the relationship and not the services. Right. It, it, that relationship is so powerful and that loyalty that is there, it, that's there is that's just got incredible just to build the value of the firm is uh, is great to have that predictable revenue because you're investing in the relationship like that. Yeah. And it, and it really like, it really changes our relationship with our clients. And, you know, we have clients who, you know, they've been members for years. You know, I have uh, someone who's been a member for, you know, I want to say close to 
the day that we launched. And so that's someone who, you know, if they're in LA, I'm like, great. We're, I made a reservation at a nice restaurant. Meet me there. Right. The other thing you talked about in the article, which I really enjoyed because we're kind of all over this topic as well as you say, you're, you're obsessed with metrics, but your metrics and KPIs are forward looking rather than the traditional, you know, realization rate, utilization rate that most professional firms look at. And you measure lifetime customer value, net promoter score, and the churn rate, which of right. course is critical in subscription. Are there any others that you look at or have learned that are valuable? Um, I mean, we look at also like utilization rate. So we do look at all the traditional metrics. So we do want to know um, how much time are we spending, uh, you know, just generally across the board with all our subscribers. Um, so we look at things like that. I mean, obviously we look at revenue. That's key uh, number of subscribers. But I think the ones that really guide action for us are things like um, lifetime customer value, because that's something where, you know, if that goes down, that's telling us that across the board, um, people are maybe less satisfied with what we're doing and we should change something. Or if net promoter score was to go down, that tells us people are not satisfied. We need to change something. Right. Um, do you find, I, I know this with DPCs and concierge doctors, they say that, you know, 20% of their patient, patients utilize 80% of their resources. Have you found kind of the same thing that some of those people are just kind of paying for that peace of mind, like you said before, and not really, really utilizing you as much as some other clients? Yeah, we've definitely had that. And that's actually where um, a lot of our attention goes because we want to make sure those people are engaged, that they get something out of it, um, that, you know, they're going to stick around. And, you know, I, but I think for some people, and this might be a surprising thing, they just like knowing that we are available generally to them. Um, even if they don't use us, they just like knowing that. But at the same time, we're like, well, what can we do for them if they're not actually using us, um, for telephone calls or contract reviews, is there something else that we can do? And have you found other things that you can do for them? Like maybe the live Q and a sessions or even just sending them things that they might find of interest in their specific field. Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, and these are, again, it's, it's, it's a little bit ad hoc at times, but that's how I like it. Um, where yeah, live Q and a is one. That's one that's been nice. A lot of people like that because um, maybe they, you know, learn about what other legal issues are out there or what other business issues are out there that they might not have thought about. Um, from time to time, we've been known to send out barrages of books to people. So, you know, if there's a good book that one of us has read, we'll order 20 copies and send it out to a bunch of, a bunch of subscribers. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I've, I've heard of other firms, you know, putting together like a, maybe a CEO round table or something where people can get together and talk about, you know, current issues or just yeah. things affecting, uh, their industry business issues, um, you also said in the article, and you talked a little bit about this with Ed, with your growth plans, but in the article, you said you're thinking about moving from hundreds of members to tens of thousands. Yep. How scalable is this, John? It's very scalable. Um, I think that's what I like about the model. I mean, again, my uh, background in tech, we're sort of trained to think about that, you know, that um, billing hourly while you can make a lot of money isn't scalable. And if it is scalable, it's scalable in that you have to have an associate working until 2 a.m., which is fine. I mean, if that's the way people want to do it, cool. But, um, you know, really, I think 
you know, what we can do with two people, you know, or, you know, three people or four people, there's no reason we couldn't have a staff of 40 or 50 and then multiply our subscribers by that much. As long as we sort of have those systems and processes, and that's what the first few years have been, is finding out, okay, what processes work well? You know, what things do we want to always stick to? And then where is their discretion? You know, where, where are there times when we can say, okay, we can break the process? And so that's what this has been about um, up till now is finding the way to really get everything nice internally so that, you know, we can basically turn things up and say, okay, cool. If there's 10,000 people, it's still the same thing. We train, you know, we bring in new lawyers and train them. Here's how we work with clients. Here's how we, um, you know, here's what we do for them. Here's what we, how we treat them. So I think it's possible. That's fantastic. What advice would you give to a legal firm that wanted to either convert to this model or maybe just experiment with aspects of it? Um, I'd say be patient and give it time. So like I was saying a little bit before, um, it's not, you're not going to launch a subscription program and have people flock to it. You know, it takes time. It, it's just like anything else. You know, you're going to have to be satisfied with a year of there being 12 members or something like that. But then you learn from it. You know, you learn from those members. Um, it doesn't have to be a really, you can start pretty simply. It doesn't have to be a huge initiative. You can say, hey, well, there's actually like, you know, let's say you're a real estate firm. People keep calling us and ask us about like, I don't know, something about titles that we always answer in, in 10 minutes or whatever. So maybe that's something we turn into a service. So you don't have to make the whole thing a subscription-based law firm. You can actually pick a service maybe that's inconsequential and turn that into a subscription. Right. That's great advice. Well, John, Ed's going to take you home in the next great. segment, but I just want to say thank you so much for appearing on the show. This has just been great. You're a pioneer and, you know, as they say, pioneers take the arrows, but, but you're doing great work out there. So it was just great having you on. So thank you. Yeah. And folks, uh, I'd like to remind you, if you want to send Ed or myself an email, send it to asktsoe at verisage.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. 
Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and we are back with council for creators.com founder john tobin and uh, john uh, Notice that you have a, a blog on your website as well. And first question before I ask you about some of those blog posts, I just want to know, do you provide those uh, blog articles to your subscribers, say, ahead of time before they go live on your blog? Is that something that you've thought about doing? Um, I've considered that. Um, those, I just post them for general information because, you know, a lot of times we'll have inquiries from people and they, you know, actually need some more basic info. So we can often direct them to a blog post. Um, sometimes we'll do, you know, when we post them, what will actually happen is our weekly Q&A we'll discuss them sometimes. Sometimes I'll say, well, last week I made a post about, you know, some new law that came out. And um, if anyone has questions from that article, let's talk about it. Sure. Well, let's talk about one of them. And it's one of them that, that both Ron and I have been paying a lot of attention to, especially with Ron being in California. Yeah. And that is uh, Assembly Bill 5, the, right. the law affecting independent contractors. First of all, before our audience um, who's who's not familiar, give a, a quick overview of, of what that's supposed to do. Sure. So it's a California law. Um, at its core, what it does is it changes who can be considered an independent contractor. Now, that's important because if you use any kind of service like Uber or Postmates, those are all independent contractors. Your driver is an independent contractor, typically. Um, this law is meant to make them employees because I guess there was concern about whether or not they were being treated unfairly. Um, now, the issue with the law is it's written in such a way where it actually affects a lot of industries and businesses that are not Uber and that are not Postmates or Lyft or any other um, tech platform like that. And so what we've been seeing is it affects a lot of creative companies who traditionally work as independent contractors. So that's been a big topic of discussion lately. And I know one of them was, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but it was Writers for Vox. Right. So what I understood is, yeah, that Vox basically said, so I don't know how many writers they had in California. I think it was 200 because of this law. Uh, we're no longer going to work with you. We don't want to run the risk that you're going to be considered an independent, sorry, an employee and then have to pay things like back wages or be sued for not, you know, paying unemployment insurance. And, you know, it could be a whole legal mess, I think, if you get it wrong. And so a lot of companies are concerned. 
And it's interesting because I think the the IRS and Ron might want to jump back in here, but the IRS has its own separate test for independent contractor. But California is basically saying, nope, ours ours sort of supersedes that. Yeah, I mean, I think in in different. I mean, again, I'm not a, a tax attorney, but I know that you know you can have a state determination for you know, let's say you know things like. Um, are they covered by sick leave laws or whatever? And then the IRS might have it in terms of how do you characterize income? Um, I don't know much more than that, but I, I know that there are various tests depending on what we're talking about. And are you giving, in your article, you mentioned that there are a couple things that people should do to, to deal with California businesses in AB5. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I tell people and, you know, I've been having a call, at least one call almost every day, I think maybe even every day since the new year about, okay, I'm running this kind of business. I heard about AB5. What do I do? And so, um, you know, I'll, we'll sort of go through like, okay, well, who are you employing or, you know, who are you working with and what are they doing? And then we'll sort of come up with, depending on the situation, are they covered by AB5 because there are exemptions um, and if they are, then, you know, here's what it would look like if you were to make them an employee. And, you know, by not making them an employee, of course, there's a risk and, you know, you have to sort of calculate how you feel about that. But yeah, it's going to depend. And one of the things you mentioned is try to have a good independent contractor agreement, although no, no agreement can override the law, correct? True. Yeah. But that's, you know, what we've also seen is, you know, there are different exemptions. I mean, there's one sort of, and this one is, you know, it's touted as a way out, a way to sort of do this right. But, you know, let's say you're working with a service company, um, you know, you want them to do things like represent and warrant that they're an actual business, that they're doing things like, you know, advertising for other companies, they're not just working for you, etc. So I think there's maybe things you can set up and we're still sort of working out what that might be because one of the problems with a new law is there's not a lot of guidance from the courts yet because no one's really tested the provision. So we're kind of seeing how that all plays out. Yeah, and as, as I think I remember reading that some of the provisions go into effect, they may have gone into effect as of January 1st of this year, but then others are delayed. And I think it's the one that's even affect Uber and Lyft are delayed, right? It could be. Yeah, I mean, I know that there are some delays and I know some things are, you know, it's a, there's an exemption until a certain time. Um, but I mean, I think the core ones did go into effect. And even if they didn't, I think a lot of people do want to prepare for the time when they do go into effect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. My my son, who's fourteen, got his uh, first first paycheck uh, a couple of weeks ago. He started timing, being a timer at basketball games hmm. at for for the one of the local cities here. And of course, the, he's an independent contractor. I wonder if in California he would be considered an employee because. I can tell you this much. He doesn't advertise for more jobs. That's for right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, it's, and I think that's where the uncertainty comes in. I think, you know, there have been times where I'm like, we're not really sure, you know, because one of the sort of sticking points here is like, well, what is, you know, it, they want, if something's core to the business, then they're an employee. And so we're kind of like, well, what does that mean? Really? I mean, there's some yeah. guys, but there's still some sort of uncertainty. And so I think the problem with, with this law or any issue is the uncertainty it's generated and the fact that it all happened so quickly. Sure. And businesses do not like uncertainty. That's for no, sure. <laughs> no. And I, I don't think it had to be done that way. Yeah. Yeah. Although probably an opportunity for some attorney to open up an AB5 related subscription based firm. would be. Yeah. I mean, they would do well based on what I've seen. They do very well. <laughs> Well, maybe you could, maybe because one of one of your law school buddies roped them into that. Yeah, yeah. 
So just um, curious, one of the other articles that you, you have, you talk a little bit about uh, LegalZoom. And in a, in a way, they're probably a little bit of your competition, especially on, on business setup. But what, what are your thoughts on LegalZoom? I mean, I think it's a good product. And I'll even tell some clients, I'm like, you know, if, um, you know, some people like maybe they you know, can't afford or don't want to work with us for whatever reason. I'm like, well, LegalZoom is out there. Um, but I think, you know, what, what, the, you know, what the issue is, is, you know, a lot of people realize that they're, you know, they're essentially designed to fill out forms. I mean, I know they're doing more now. And so maybe that's not a fair characterization in some regards. And so I tell people, as long as you understand that that's what you're getting, it's, you can make your own choice, you know, obviously, um, you know, and it's, it does what it does and it does it, you know, I guess it does it. Okay. I think a lot of, like, we get a lot of clients actually who have used LegalZoom and then come to us to fix it. So, um, I'm, I don't actually see them as competition because also, um, you know, I think a, a lot of people are savvy enough to realize, you know, that, okay, that's not sufficient. Right. And in most cases, that's just going to get you a, a starting point where you need to take it to an attorney to get, get everything finalized. Yeah. And I, and I tell people it's, you know, it's, I think a lot of people aren't really aware of what lawyers actually do. And so they think, okay, that I need the paperwork done and that'll be it. But, you know, the question is what paperwork, like, do you need to form a company right now? I mean, you know, sure. um, there, there's so many questions and I think people like they enjoy having the human aspect. And I know, again, maybe LegalZoom can connect them with an attorney, but you know, I mean, it's maybe it's not the same thing. I don't know. I've never really delved too deeply, but I just, I just caution people to understand what they're buying. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you. This has been just a, a, a great conversation that we have with you really enjoyed it and, and best of luck to you and others who are, are going down this path. And as Ron said, the pioneers take the arrows, but it sounds like you've avoided a lot of them. So thanks for being a guest on the, the soul of enterprise. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right, Ron. Well, well, I guess we're wrapping it up for this week. What do we got coming up next week? Do you know? Next week, we're going to do the best business books from 2019, Ed. All right. Outstanding. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, check out thesoulofenterprise.com for full show notes with our conversation with John Tobin. And you can also contact Ed or me at askverisage or asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.